This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the Grishaverse as well as topics surrounding sexual assault, physical violence, and racism. everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing The Black Witch. We have a lot to say about this book, and other people have had a lot to say about this book, so we will just get to it. The Black Witch is a lot of things. It is something that I read when it came out in 2017, and I don't think... Actually, no, I, I know. Looking back, I did not realize how, um, powerful it kind of was and how reflective it kind of was of the environment that was to come in later years. I find that kind of interesting. Do you mean like it being such a niche genre? No, I mean like the political kind oh, of climate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very refle- reflective and it's easy to see now, like looking back in 2017 and like everything. But um, at the time I was just like, Ooh, cool book, which is, I like it uh, about it. You know, I, I didn't go deeper about it. So I'm very excited to kind of jump into it now. So please just, we haven't talked about it. Take it away. I will say I pretty much went into this blindly. That's just my new MO. And that, you know, and then I have to stop stop and take a second to be like, wait, what what am I reading about? And I think the first, even after the prologue, she go, you know, it talks about her that the main character is Ellerin and it talks about her being three or four and then it jumps 14 years. And I go, is everybody always 17? Is this just something I have to learn about? I liked it. But I was shocked. I remember the first couple pages and chapters, I just kept sending you just reactions of my face of the things that were being said and you and the comparisons that I was making in my head. And I was very uncomfortable um, because the topics that were being discussed and you would respond saying, Think of it like The Handmaid's Tale. And that comparison really like kind of set the tone for the rest of the book. And it helped me because even with The Handmaid's Tale, it's all dystopian, like future dystopian world. But the writer even said everything that's written in this book that people are being shocked about are things that have happened, are happening or like currently or being set up politically for the future. And I think that realization is set. I think just having that comparison and understanding that tone um, really, you know, it, it forced you to be like, wow, we're shitty people. And this is a different kind of fantasy book than other books that we've read. Uh, obviously, it's part of a series. There's three books, three like main novels, and then there's two novellas and then there's another one coming out in September. So it's very exciting. Well, part of the reason we wanted to do this is I said, you know, I forget whatever we had discussed previously. I go, I need a book. I don't know what. I do know that I want to stay in fantasy. And then I just kind of threw it to you. I'm like, you you tell me, what should I? And that's kind of really how I went into it blindly. I go, give me something. And you said, here, we'll do this because I want to talk about it. It's fine. And here we are. And and I do. I, I really do like to talk about this. Uh, you mentioned that Ellerin is 17. This is YA. This is, you know, firmly YA. There is zero spice in this book. Zero. Like negative numbers of spice here. Like the, like the little, the little like glancing scenes. I'm like, oh, that's cute. But I was, my reaction videos to you, I was very like, oh my gosh, this bitch. And I'm like, oh, but I feel bad for her. And then she would go back to doing something shitty. And then, you know, later on I was really, well, she was 17. She is 17. Like, haven't we all acted out of spite at some point? I mean, 
whether it was 17 or now, there were certain things I'd be like, I'd burn the bitch too. <laughs> well, wait, wait, let's, let's back up because yeah. I guarantee you that people have not read this book. So they're probably like, what is going on? Um, <laughs> so the, this book is full of tropes. It's full of tropes and I love tropes and it has some of my favorite ones. It has a chosen one. It has a prophecy. It has found family. It has magic school. And Jess, you said that you hadn't read anything else that was magic school besides like Harry Potter and like the magicians like we've watched. Yeah, the magicians. And even that was, yeah, I didn't even read that. I have the first book on the shelf, but I've only watched and like read Harry Potter for magic school. So it was very uncharted territory i mean at least it was familiar every time they said another magical being they were like selkies like selkies and then they said lupine they go werewolves i was all like i love the werewolves uh just a little side note i ended up writing down just a few of my favorite like magic school trope books i i don't know i just got really excited um so it'd be like shadow hunters the name of the wind the magicians the Ninth House, Dangerous Education, The Magisterium, The Witcher, The Winks, you know, Saga. Wait, The Witcher with with, with Henry Cavill? Yeah, yeah. That's a magic school book? That, that man. Well, no, okay. Well, <laughs> Is yeah. he a teacher? Because Professor Henry can get it. I will give nothing away. I will give nothing <laughs> away. Uh, I, to be fair, to be fair, uh, I have played the video games. So I am not as, and I've only watched the show once and I haven't read the books because I'm a shitty fan. So I can't tell you exactly what Henry does in the show, but I know there is a school setting. So, um, <laughs> I'm just going to watch for him because that man is Rowan Whitethorn. For real. Uh, two other tropes that are in here. I mean, there's others, but these are the main ones. Starcross lovers. And of course, the one that mm. kind of bugs me is the white savior. I know we said the chosen one. However, there's still more to be discovered there that we don't get in this first book is what I've learned. We think she's the chosen one. She obviously doesn't. It's set up that she is. But as of right now, technically on paper, the pieces are there, but it's not it it hasn't come to fruition. So I I I did a. I don't want to say I did a lot of research on this, but I, I, you know, I did some research on this. I, I went on the hashtag. I, I looked and, and there's some people that are out there that are like, you know, this book is kind of like, what if Hermione were raised by the Malfoys? And I was like, hmm, huh. Inter- interesting, interesting take on it. Also, uh, this book does something that I find really interesting is that it switches the typical YA strip a female like of her power thing, because when we are in the book, like that has happened, like clearly, obviously, right? Like she is, she is bound in some way. That's quite clear. She has like a physical reaction. This is Ellerin. She has a physical reaction when she's wand tested, right? In front of everybody, in front of the military at the school for the first time. It hurts her. Like she feels like this, this like sucking up of power from the floor and, and it, and it, you know, bursts forward and then it rebounds and then her hand is like. You know, what it kind of reminded me of is um, in Shadow and Bone when the Darkling goes to Alina and Alina's like, I don't have any power. I don't have any power. And it's just kind of stirring there. Mm-hmm. And then she had the wand. And you know that she was wand tested because you have that flashback with her and her her uncle. So she he knows that the power is there and he wants to protect her from everybody, which we find out. Um, so even when she gets wand tested at the school, that power is still stirring there. And every time she's like kissing Lucas or she's Lucas. like, she's like ugh, Lucas fucking Chad. It's true though. Like, but like, it's just like, it's just stirring there. And it just reminded me of Alina where she was pushing down the powers or she just wasn't familiar. Like there was a feeling there. She wasn't familiar with it and kind of ignored it or disregard it. But then we later find out towards the end when she's helping her brother, Tristan, she's like, she's starting to make the connection. Like maybe, maybe it's, maybe I don't have this, but I'm like a booster. Right. Cause she touches, she touches him and he like, right. you know, like destroys the military base and stuff. Like it, it's good. And, you know, she's using the, the, the white wand of legend, you know, quote, quote, maybe. In my head, since we're doing the rewatch, I was like, in my head, it looks like the, like a smaller, uh, white ash 
or white oak. Yeah, from from the original. Vampire, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. And yeah, but yeah, I kind of I kind of see that too. Uh so the the trope though being that you take power away from your females, um this this is kind of the opposite of that. Like we know that she's really powerful and this is kind of her like breaking out of that in like slow kind of ways, which is a reflective of her like growth as a person. So like she's kind of figuring out that she has, you know, a little bit of magical power, and then she's broadening her horizons and not being such a fucking bigot and racist, you know? Like, it kind of opens up, which I think is really cool. Um, I, I also it. think it's... I, I don't want to say it's timely, because we should never be racist and bigoted in the first place. However, timely in the sense that there are a lot of people who have become more aware of of the choices and the decisions and the lifestyles that they were living for the last, basically till since till 2020. And then there was an epiphany and then there was, you know, really younger generations educating the older generations in their life. And then those, you know, just a light, and not just the older generations, just a light bulb coming up on some people's head to be like, wait, why, why was I acting this shitty my entire life. And that's what I really like about Ellerin's character. And obviously her brothers call her out on it early on when she is acting that way. Yeah. Rafe and Tristan are just like, Ooh, why are you talking like that? You're, <laughs> you're being an asshole. And they're kind of <laughs> like, you're being really embarrassing. Um, but this is because of, and I like the world building in this book. Um, Ellerin and her brothers are Gardnerian. Uh, they have a slur about them. They're called roaches because they dress in all black, like high collars, like to the, to the wrists, to the ankles type dresses, uh, you know, silks, very, very conservative and incredibly religious. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. And their colors are like black and green and you can only wear certain color I, I, I like it i like the world building i especially like this little detail that all the gardenarian skin shimmers green and it, and it's enough that it will light up like a dark area i like that that's that's kind of a cool little detail it almost i i you know what i like i mean I think I've been just in so many fantasy worlds where it was very human-like beings and they're still kind of human here also. Um, But it kind of also reminded me of uh, Folk of the Air with Alfheim and you would just have various fantasy um, races also with the Shimmer or um, like the, and, and how the King of Alfheim learned to hate. You had the dancing tree on the table Um you have Matic. I, I just, you know, I, I like that there were so many different races. Yeah, there and there are. There's the Amaz. Uh, there's the the Lupine. The the Fey are talked about. The Selkies are there. Uh, the Icarals. We haven't even talked about the Icarals. Uh, and then the the Celts, but that that's just, that's a race. And then the Garnarians, we should mention, are all black hair and green eyes. Creepy. The, I mean, they're all, it's creepy, right? Like, like we used to, you shared the one fan art and we're like, oh, they, they're all the same. Yeah, they're, which, they're all the same. Which is very, uh, I mean, between that and we haven't even talked about the armbands. Ooh, like, the armbands. Like, oh, it just said all black hair, green eyes. Like, what's the other equivalent? It was just yeah. very, ugh. hmm. It is. And the leader, okay, so uh, if anyone's watched Game of Thrones, you could equate this to uh, the High Sparrow and the rise of his, you know, like, whole movement against Cersei, so... Think, think of that when you're thinking about this. So Marcus Vogel is a priest and there's like a government structure. And in, in this like government structure, a religious structure, uh, they have big white birds that do like prophecy. And did you know in German, Vogel means bird? I did not. So that's just like this like little subtle connection, Marcus Vogel, Marcus Bird, and then the birds, oh, and are, the the birds are the watchers. And, and it, it's just like kind of like, you know, it's just like a subtle tie-in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
So, Marcus, the the priest is, in my mind, very much a uh, Dolores Umbridge-type character. Uh, He gets into power. He manipulates his way into power. And then he starts making all these decrees about stuff like, oh, my God. No, I see your face. Go. Well, like, I'm just thinking how all of a sudden overnight he became like that needed to be the catalyst. I, I, at first I go, oh, my God, I can't believe it happened so fast. But then I remembered I go, that needs to be the catalyst of this book that kind of that kind of carries like the next steps. There's no way you can't tell me that there was a murder like that was a, like an assassination and they're playing it off like it wasn't because they he was to be the immediate person in power. And they knew the second he became in power he would, like you said, I, I mean, it, it's like Dolores Umbridge and had a baby. <laughs> and that baby was this Michael Marcus Vogel, whatever his name is. Yeah, no, it, it's really awful. He's really awful. And then, uh, you know, terrible, terrible people. Ellerin's aunt is a terrible person. Um so I, th- I think we should mention that Ellerin looks exactly like her grandmother and her grandmother is like a war hero to the Gardnerian people. She's like the most powerful witch that has ever lived. And that's another thing that I like, um, this really restrictive, conservative society is is waiting for this all-powerful woman to come and save them, uh, you know, from the evil like heathens. I I like that. It's interesting. Well, I also, I mean, if we're going to talk about women, I like, I think it was one of the characters, Andres or something, they were talking about the creator and the creator was a woman. And instead of Adam and Eve, she created three women. And then in the, in the story of their story of creation, she gave the three women. The fifth. Yeah. 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 And she gave them like husbands in a way like it's almost like she created Eve and then gave Eve Adam. And then instead of the rib coming from Adam, you had the wrist. Yeah. Yeah. But like the men had an extra wrist mm-hmm. bone or something. Like I just, it was so subtle, but I just loved the, again, the female leads, the female like powers, like these are who they're, they're glor- not glorifying, but these are who like their gods and who they worship and their stories like of the beginning. And like you even said, uh, Alleran's grandmother was this end all be all witch. And now they're waiting for the second prophecy that the black witch will return. Right. Uh, just to go back to what you're saying about uh, the Amaz and the creation story with the fist. So Andras is is telling everyone about that. And he says, you know, it's so fucking frustrating. My mother makes us do this because in, in their culture, they only have women. And she had Andras, who's a boy. So she had to leave the like tribe or whatever. And he has to go through these like daily ritual, like, like purifications pretty much because he's a man and he, he has all of this like, I'm going to say sin, but I don't really think that's the word for it uh, in, in this culture. You mean sin in the way like how we have original sin yeah, and yeah. to get like cre- baptized yeah. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. To like cleanse. He says like a cleansing. He has to like cleanse himself. Uh, and then, uh, but he gets really frustrated. He's like, you know, my mother's a reasonable woman. She's the fucking science professor. She knows that like my bones are the same as her bones. Like we have the same, but, but the religion is, He's he's um, like questioning his religion and like Ellerin's doing the same thing and and her brothers are doing the same thing. And it, and it's very uh, trans- like everyone is quietly and at the end, not so quietly going through their own sort of transformations. And um, since nobody talks about this book, nobody talks about that. And I think that that is a very realistic part of this book. Everybody going to college, mixing with each other learning about each other and then realizing that like maybe what they were raised with is complete bullshit. I abs- I loved and that, to me that's not that's not even a trope. That is that is real life. We might be it might be fantasy, but this is I mean, every little aspect of like even when they when she when Ellerin goes to her dorm room, she is essentially her roommates are Icarals. 
Icaral demons. Icaral demons who are mixed. One is Icaral and Faye, who's winter. And she's a princess. Yeah. And even in her kingdom, she, or no, she's not Faye. She's elf, elvish. She's elf. Yeah, she's elf. elf. Right. Her brother is literally her protector because she can't go back to her kingdom because her kingdom wants her dead because she's half Icarol. It's just, it's all very sad. And you can tell through each of these characters' stories, like for some of them, the only place that they're accepted and can be themselves is supposed to be this school, this university. And even then they're not accepted because there's racism amongst each of the Fae. It's not just one race toward, I mean, obviously the Gardenarians are just racist all around to everybody. Um, but e- each, each group of people have their own biases towards the others and their own slurs. And it's not okay. But I like the, there's this part where she goes to her door, Lauren goes to her dorm room and she says, who would have thought like, I have two Icarals. I have a Lupine. We have a Selkie. I have a Kelt like waiting for me. Like everybody is just, and it was almost like a moment where she's like, this is actually pretty cool. Like, you know, look at all of us. Let's talk about something that isn't really cool. And that is wand fasting. (sighs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's not cool for a lot of reasons. Um, You could argue that people are like, oh, well, some, some, okay, why don't you explain wand fasting first? And then um, I'll, I'll comment. Wand fasting is essentially marriage, more or less. So ideally, ideally, if, if everything were perfect, then you would, as an, as an, a gardenarian, you would find somebody that you love and your affinity lines would match up and, um, you know, uh, compliment each other. And then you would be wand fasted, which is basically marriage. And you have these, uh, like lines. I picture them as like tattoos uh, yeah. around, around your like wrists and like kind of going up your arms, uh, at, in lieu of like wedding rings and like engagement bands. Like that, that's, but kinda... not like how Farah and Reese's right, are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like very different. And the age for doing that is progressively getting younger and younger because more conservatives are being put into the government and they're trying to keep the race pure. That's one fasting. And I understand how some go. Oh, and one fasting. If you, like part of the, the new under the new ruling, if you're not one fasted by a certain age, they pick your 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 uh, wand fasted for you so there you have the arranged marriage which is still very prominent in some cultures but then they also go ahead and discuss being wand fasted as young as 13 and if that doesn't set you off alone like 13, you are a child. I understand women, you know, the second you get your period, whether it's 12 or 13, you're a woman. That's, that's no, you are a child. You are a minor. That is something that I will not stand for, even if we're going to try to say, oh, well, this is fantasy. I said, no, that is one thing that I, I believe we should collectively agree upon. There's like, there, there's certain things in life that that's just, that should be a universal thing. Right, right. And and that kind of just goes back to like a reflection. Like this book is kind of a reflection of what is going on mm-hmm. in society. And, and it's just like kind of difficult and nobody really wants to talk about it. But there it is. It's uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. and I get it. Like that, and that's the whole thing that I know that we had discussed even through our reactions a little, like a little bit throughout the week where it just kept, we kept saying, this is stuff that's happening now. This isn't a past tense. This isn't, this is all still very relevant and it forces you or it should to want to think, to want to educate yourself and saying like, what the hell are we doing? Like if the aliens come and blow us up, then you know what? Can't blame them. Let's okay. So let let's let's kind of let's kind of set the stage here. So Ellerin's aunt wants her to wand fast to Lucas Gray, who's like the most eligible bachelor of the season, or you know whatever. And she, Ellerin, um, who was raised in like the backwater backwoods with her uncle making violins and not knowing a damn thing about anything. And she, let's not forget, she's not allowed to know how to make a violin. She's basically right. only allowed to sit pretty and breed. 
Right. Yeah. She had, her uncle had to fight for her to go to college. Right. Or be and to be an apothecary, which is an acceptable right. um, female yeah, occupation. Yeah. yeah. So so Ellerin, uh, you know, she goes to the city and her aunt's like, look, I want you to wand fast before you go to university. Everybody is already wand fasted, which kind of turns out to be true. And Ellerin's like, I can't because I promised my uncle. And then Ellerin's introduced to like high society, right? She's introduced and she makes an enemy right away. She's got the mean girls, Fallon, who's a level five and Fallon, who is uh, rumored to be the next black witch. So obviously they don't get along. Also the level, the levels, just like for reference, it's how much magical power you essentially have as the characters. So they have level one, level two, level five is the highest you can be. And yes, with Fallon, I, that whole, uh, I felt like it was like society, like you said, coming out in society, all the Debs, Ugh, just such flashbacks. Ugh. And 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 Ellerin having to play the violin in front of everybody and like fucking up for the first half. Uh, I was just, it was so cringe. I was like, oh my God, please no, please stop, please stop. And then the with Lucas. Lucas, Lucas from Empire Records. Um, so yeah, Lucas comes in and saves the day. And I, okay, obviously right <laughs> off the bat, I love Lucas. I mean, of course. Of course. Uh, you know, very powerful, bad boy, black hair, green eyes, but that's creepy because they're all like that. Um, he, you know, he's, uh, sassy and dangerous and impulsive and, and we like Lucas and Lucas, uh, nice gift giver, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, very nice. G- gives her a violin, gives her a nice, uh, pendant. Uh, you know, takes I, I her... don't know how I feel about that pendant. Right. It's a little bit weird. I know. I, I... Mm, I don't, that is not, I don't like it, especially because of the note that he wrote with it. I'm, I don't trust that pendant for anything. And especially because Winter, who is an empath, was like, uh, you know, you, you, you gotta be fucking careful about that shit. <laughs> okay. I, I, I try to trust you, Winter. Uh, so yeah, so we have Lucas. Lucas comes in and saves her. And then Lucas is the commander of the military. You know, he's in the military, obviously, because everybody is. And immediately right off the bat, he's like, you know, go to the ball with me. And we're like, what the fuck is this ball? Well, the ball's like months away. Like It's the Yule Ball. I yeah. love a Yule Ball. We love a good Yule Ball. Selena goes to a Yule Ball. We love the Yule Ball in Harry Potter. Like, I want a Yule. Maybe I should do a Yule ball for my birthday instead of a birthday birthday. Yeah. Oh, we should do a Yule ball. Uh, but the <laughs> Yule ball is months and months away. And, uh, at the end of the book, we're not even at the Yule ball. The, the book ends before we get to the, to the ball with Lucas. Uh, we, li- we like Lucas, but Ellerin, because she refuses to wand fast, has to pay her way through university. She has like work study. So she has to work in the kitchen and, um, she gets like, the fuck bullied out of her <laughs> in the kitchens. <laughs> you know, she gets like uh, kicked into the pig shit in the pig slop. And those girls are so mean to her. They're so mean to her. And I, it's, I, I go back and forth with Ellerin because I'm like, Oh, I feel so bad for her. And then she would do something. And then I would be like, well, you know what? Pot kettle. You can't be doing one thing, but not the other. And then I started thinking about, well, you do have some, but well, she's now she's in def- defense mode because she even like talks to Lucas at one point because she kept getting bullied. She goes up to him uh, and she goes, I don't care how you do it. Get her the fuck out of here. And honestly, I probably would have done the same in that moment where you just react through emotion and not through logic. But he just he takes that and runs with it. And she's like, well, I didn't mean like that because he totally he went off the deep end with how he handled it. And and then it's like, you remember that they're 17 and then you start thinking about bullies and like, sometimes you just have bullies that are shitty people because they're shitty people. And then you hear about like bullies that they've been bullied. So then that's their defense mechanism. I'm not saying, obviously everybody, there just needs to be a therapist in every single one of these books. But yeah, I was just back and forth the whole time. You feel bad for her. But like I said, Lucas is hot in those moments where he goes, huh? So the emotional terrorism that he has is in like kudos, kudos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The dressing down that he does to everybody in the kitchen, you know, in the end doesn't actually help anything. You know, it kind of just establishes Lucas as a aggressive kind of like problem solver that she can reliably go to for help. 
because you know, she does. Um, I, I like that. I, I like Lucas. Uh, and then uh, Lucas. So it's like Lucas. But Lucas isn't in the book very much. You know, no. he's he's like off doing his own thing. But then we have um, Yvonne. And Yvonne is a Celt. It's hinted that he's a fire fae, like under like glamour. And uh, he has this like searing gaze, right? You know, we love white eyes. He's got the green, green eyes. eyes. He's got the red hair. You know, he can talk to dragons. No more. He can heal, right? He's a he's a gifted healer. He heals the little girl, and he heal, heals Ellerin at the end. So you know, Yvonne. But he's angry. He's surly. He's uh, he hates Ellerin. It's ooh, does he hate Ellerin? He hates Ellerin because of what Ellerin represents, right? Which is not her fault, but I, and and that's another thing you say you struggle. You know, you you feel for Ellerin. I do too. Like she's a like a carbon copy clone, pretty much right. of her of her grandmother, who is revered. There's statues of her, you know. Um, and, and there were all these expectations for Ellerin, and she's a level one. you know at this point uh it's 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 really i don't know it's it's very it's it's very interesting uh, the way that you say it um ellerin is a difficult character to kind of she's easy to relate to but she's frustrating at the same time yeah yeah absolutely um i also i think what's i want to say i don't want to say it's interesting but like we know she, her who her grandmother is to the to the gardenarians specifically she's held to this she's held to this standard that she obviously can't match within her own community and then we later find out more history to Ellerin's grandmother because when you think about it um you're finding out history you and history is always going to be written by the victors and that de- but that doesn't make it factual which ellerin learns by seeking out non-biased opinions of the true history of her people of other races of earthia um because she initially went to her professor who is gardenarian and he was just all the praises all this stuff and then she goes you know what the that that doesn't make sense. How is that going to be factual history? So then she went to a history professor and she goes, I want to know more. Like, I need to question everything because there's no one side to every story. And it opens up a whole different world. And even when Yvonne, he was saying, he would just like see the books that she was carrying and question what she was doing. And even her finding out about how her clothes are made. Oh, that was something that I thought of, like her understanding the history and the the process of how what she was wearing came to be produced. That's very similar to what happens now, too, you know, um, in in these factories. So I think it was just her becoming more aware but like you said, she she would have this growth, and then she would she would have an like a negative internal monologue about someone. And I go, you know, I'm really pissed at you. You it was it remind you know how for you with Nesta, it was like every time she did one step forward, she was doing two steps back. Yeah. That's how I felt with Ellerin. I was like, oh yay, progress. No, you were so close. <laughs> uh, we haven't even talked really about Jared and Diana. The the lupines we love them obviously love them love them I love I love Diana I love you you have it in your notes so you you say it oh um I love Diana Diana gives me such Danica from Crescent yeah. City vibes and it's not just because she's lupine it's how she carries herself I mean there is a description of her where like, I think there, there was just the description, the personality, the, the confidence loved. There is a line that I really liked on page in the ebook. It was page 386. And I read this and I listened to this where her and Rafe, who is Ellerin's, one of Ellerin's brothers, they're talking about, Rafe is saying different cultures have different ideas about things. And Diana being Diana, she was like, well, they are deluded. 
lupines are correct. And she says it's so matter of fact, which I know like that's part of the issue with this book is like each each race thinks that their race is the best. But then she kind of backs it up saying, look, we're not making people wand fast at 13. We're being respectful. We're not taking other people's lands. We're being mated because we love each other. And at it, like, and it's, it, there's consent there. And consent is something you see throughout the book where it's either there or not. As we learn with Aisley, who she's one fasted to, is all being, you know, there's no consent there whatsoever. Jared is like, he knows it. He's physically ill that he can't do anything about it because he knows the stigma that comes with lupine. So he's just constantly, ugh. I love Jared and Aisley. So, like, I'm going to be pulling for them this whole time. <laughs> uh, her story is is really fantastic because, like, her dad is really high up in the Mage Council and her family is very, very conservative. Uh, something that we haven't mentioned yet is that the Garnerian Society, you are expected to have, like, a lot of children because it's your job to like go out and populate the world with mages because mages are the chosen ones like woo damn but uh, uh she she uh, one of my favorite moments with her is when they're passing notes in class right and uh jared passes her a note and he's like what are you reading and she writes back with the title and then he like copies down a poem and then she flips to the page and like lines it up and she's like and, and that is kind of like a like a backward a backhanded compliment that she gives him she's like i didn't know that like lupines read poetry it's like why would you think that but then like her dad is the ambassador to the lupines and he like spread all of these like weird twisted like rumors about the lupine people and and he hates them so they are very much a star-crossed lover trope uh to the extreme to the even to the point where you know how we were saying how gardenerians are expected to to procreate for you know and just populate and her sister's now older than her and Ellerin makes a comment to it she goes how like how many more kids are there because all the like not even all some of the nieces and nephews came to visit her at university and the kids are bringing like their their wooden toys and Basically, everybody is uh, like everybody's the villain, and the gardenarians are the heroes. And then the cookies, the cookies. How did that not like? Ooh, ooh. (laughs) Tell them, tell. So the cookies, the cookies. They they just have the cookies, and they're in the shape of Icarus wings. And the tradition for the cookies is like you snap the wings, and then you eat them. Like yeah, basically snap the wings, evil laugh, like, and then like dunk them in milk. How? it, because Icarals, uh are it, okay. So okay. So there, the the prophecy, the whole thing with Icarals is that the Icaral demons uh, are uh, gonna rise up and like take over, right? And they're they they are gonna kill everybody, and they're out for Elrond. They're out for the next Black Witch. And they th- and they think that's Elrond, and and part of Elrond's uh, like torture, bullying from her aunt is to force her to live with two Icarals who. Uh, you know, racist, bigoted. Ellerin is afraid of when she gets there. So that that's the whole like background with that. Because but, she's been taught to be. Yeah, she's been taught to be that way. Afraid of them. But which not, is also oh, continue. Oh, I was gonna say, but not only her. Uh, the the fear of Icarus is kind of like kind of pervi- like like is in all of the other like uh, races and cultures. Uh, be like demons, and it is weird because it's revealed that they are um you know like dragons and they pop up they they pop up in all of the the peoples that populate earthia and um there's no way to like predict which is which is interesting which is which is why the Icarus, why everybody's out for the Icarus, because the prophecy is that the Icarus is going to come and kill the black witch and then sage gaffney who just so happens to be Ellerin's neighbor in the backwoods had a baby uh broke her her wand fasting and had a baby and her baby was an Icarus. so that is how all of that connects yes Ooh. well and and i was thinking there's a part in the book where um, they all decide that they're going to work together because they want to help the Selkie and they make it a point to say like, here we all are working together. We don't really know each other. Can we like, you know, it, it's that, what, what what's the, not, what am I thinking of the, you know, when you're in a room, 
icebreaker. Ice yeah. So they're like, they're basically doing this terrible icebreaker of like how they get to know how, who they are or whatever. And they're kind of defining themselves a little bit. And Winter is so negative about herself um, because she's an it girl, because that's what she was taught even about herself. And I love that Diana was like, excuse you. Why are you speaking? Like she's everybody needs Diana as a hype girl because she goes, look at the value that you bring to this. You are not those things that you're saying. You are a good person. You are here. We are happy. You know, I loved her. I was so, I, my heart hurt for winter in that moment. And then you got Diana here. I'm like, yes, queen. I love her. And then, of course, the other Ickerl, Ariel, right. uh, got sent off to an insane asylum and lived there her whole life. And they used drugs to sedate her. And now she has, like, the drugs at school. And she has these, like, manic episodes. And then she's, like, drugged half of the time. And she uh, can talk to to the animals and the, the chickens and then the dragon at the end. Yeah, if it had wings, basically, like, there were – if the if- – Every, I guess, certain Ickrels have like a kindred and kindred is specific to, is different for everyone. And her kindred, which be, would be animals that you can talk to, happen to be anything with wings. Mm-hmm. So she talks to the, the dragons and the owls and the chickens and ugh, so many animals. Even Ellerin's like, do you know what it's like to live with two chickens? And Yvonne's like, they're called Ickerls. And she's like, no, I'm not talking about my friends. And that kind of shows where Ellerin is and where she has gotten to. She's having a conversation with Yvonne, which she hadn't had before. Obviously, they they didn't talk. And then she's saying like, no, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, they have names like she she goes through this really realistic slow process of slowly learning about everything and um at the end of the book she has like a very steamy like moment right kind of like you know glances or whatever uh with Yvonne and but um I I like the way the book ends because it ends with tyranny um and Alarin like joining the resistance right with, I, that yeah. closing line is like not it I knew I wanted to read the second book and it sealed it for me I go we're going in like you can easily I I could finish this podcast and be like okay I'm gonna get, go gonna go start the second book now bye because yeah, it, it's good that's the thing like it's good um it has all of these characters like and we haven't really even talked about the professors like what what's kind of like a subplot in this book is what's going on uh, politically and and Ellerin in her process of educating herself starts reading uh, basically like the news. She starts reading the news and like what's going on with her government and she starts noticing that the professors are showing bias. Some of them are it's not even like a quiet it's not even a quiet bias. It is right. like open bias and not just amongst the professors but the students too and Ellerin and tyranny they 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 keep trying to be like look I, I want to stay out of it I want to stay out of it and at the same time some of the some of the students which rightfully so called Ellerin out on it on her privilege she's like you didn't need to they were telling her you don't know about this because you were of your privilege you it never affected you so why so of course you wouldn't know and I I think that was again. That's very timely, mm-hmm. you know, for 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 awareness for all of us. You know, there's there's privilege that comes with, you know, there's a lot of um, intersectional privilege that comes with what you know living, really. And you're talking about privilege. Uh, Tierney's entire existence is based on the privilege of a gardenerian. She is a full-blooded, blooded water fae who and and you were like um you're like oh, i'm so frustrated with ellerin she sees this girl and she says she's so fucking ugly like the ugliest girl she's ever seen but we learn that tyranny is the ugliest girl that ellerin has ever seen because she's glamoured to be that way so that she kind of like like scoots under the radar right uh, and she's not wand fasted and what is happening with her is that when bogle is elected and he is putting out all of these edicts he says that when you are wand fasted which you have to be by i think 18 yeah. um they're going to do a purity test on you a purity test on you uh your uh partner and your families so tyranny and her family cannot undergo that process because they are glamored water fae and they will react to iron so that is 
uh, what really, really spurs Elrond to join the resistance, of course, um, you know, breaking out a, a military dragon. Oh, my God. I don't know if you realize this. This is kind of a throwaway line in the book. But did you realize that the military dragons, all of the mil- military dragons are people? Yes. Oh, my God. I did I, not catch that the first, like, read through. I did because, uh, what happened? Oh, because of the connection that Winter had, like, when she puts the Naga, Naga, the, the dragon, and connects her with uh, Yvonne. Yvonne. I keep wanting to say his name wrong. Um, because, but I didn't think Yvonne was Fire Fae, like a glamoured fire. I thought he was part dragon mm-hmm. like i thought he was like a shifter like a dragon shifter yeah but then they say that all of the military dragons are wyvern shifters that have been forced by magic into their dragon form and then binded yeah, yeah they're binded into their dragon sh- form because when what did he say? oh yvonne said oh they were asking to heal naga and yvonne's like i can't i can't um heal her in this form and that was like that was i think that was my click oh yeah it's it's fucking crazy and we haven't talked about marina marina is the selkie uh selkies are seals that when they shed their skin they can have human form they're selkies in the folk of the air um but yeah, in, with Nicasia, right? right yeah. The Selkies come out from the water, yeah. right? Okay. But but in this world, in this realm, they are um, taken and sold as like sex slaves, and their skins are like hoarded so they can't uh, speak and transfer back, and they're weak, and it's really fucking awful. And um, this group of uh, rebels, I guess, uh, you know come together and their first kind of mission is to save and hide uh, the Selkie that they name Marina. They hide her in the North Tower where Diana ends up living too. So it's like the five of them. I love Diana's appearance. And she goes, I, I, if I don't live here, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to fucking kill her. I'm going to kill them all if I don't have to have another day being their roommate. And she just, she just makes her, I mean... You cannot tell me that Diana isn't a Leo because the main character energy, Ellerin who, I love her. I love Diana. And and Diana walks around naked all the time and she's very (laughs) proud of herself. And and the relationship that Diana has with Rafe is really lovely. Like they start off just like hiking together and they both really love being outside and, and they really bond over nature. And then Diana kind of out of, I, like, you know that they're falling for each other, obviously. Right. But then Diana, just kind of out of the blue, is like, I'm falling in love with you, Rafe. And Rafe is just like, I am already deeply in love with you. And it's just like, oh, well, communication. <laughs> I like where she says, you're just saying that because I didn't rip your arm off. <laughs> He's like, yes, that is the only reason. I was, I just, I like you said, I really love their relationship. I love them so much. It's healthy. It's realistic it's I, there's a respect there since the first day like even you know even how Rafe approaches different conversations with her he's very aware that different cultures handle you know it's everybody has different cultures and there should be a respect there just like when you know you go to depending on if you travel regularly you're going to dress a certain way out of respect like you're not going to go into the vatican without your shoulders covered you know there is a respect and expectation there and i love that rafe is aware of that and he respects diana in their first interaction and yeah she's naked and ellerin's freaking out like put some clothes on and he's literally just looking in her eyes having a conversation and he goes but i will suggest like just around here just like it's culturally appropriate for you to you know to carry on like this over on this side it's culturally acceptable to wear clothes and she's like okay i was just trying to cool off but like i understand where you're coming from hold on you know and i i just i love since they're meet cute i really adored them and of course, Rafe wants to become Lupine because he doesn't, you know, gar- Gardnerians suck. Uh, and that's Can one- we just like what? shout out that a man 
it's another example of a man saying, like, I'm going to change for her. Like, mm-hmm. it's not always the woman having to change for. Yeah, I'm going to join man. her family. Yeah. Right. And then her, Ellerin's other brother, Tristan, is gay. And Ellerin has a problem with that. And of course, I have a problem that she has a problem. Of course. But in this world, I can understand why she would be like jarred by that. I'm not surprised yeah. that she's because of how she was raised. And even I like there was a line where um, they were talking about wand fasting and Ellerin goes, well, can't you just can't you just wand fast to a female? And and uh, why can't I think of his name right now? Taryn, Taryn, Tristan, Tristan. Um, he goes, well, can you just wand fast to a female? And she was, shut I her think, up. Yeah, it shut yeah. her up. And I think that was when it really hit her. Like, and then the other part of the thing is, I thought she was going to come up with some concoction to, um, to Juan fast to Aisley, so Aisley could be with Jared. Like uh, that was uh, where I thought I thought um, Ellerin's mind might go. I have uh, two. I have two points, and I'd really love to hear your thoughts of them. My lord, Poppy, this is fresh in your mind. Poppy, Poppy, and Ellerin give off the same naive, sheltered energy, and and Ellerin and Matthias give off the same like institutionalized you know, mind fucked like racism vibes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I sp- like I see the poppy a lot because poppy was in her bubble, you yeah. know, poppy was in a bubble her whole life. Same thing with Ellerin for what we know. However, I also kind of question it because her uncle, right. Ra- she lived with her uncle. She was raised by her uncle. I feel like her, maybe the environment of others being around her influenced her because that was not the type, the takeaway of the type of person her uncle was. Her uncle wanted to shelter her from that mentality. And I feel like once Alloran went to her aunt Vivian's for a a while, it just kind of ignited it like this underlying hate that she might not have realized was there. Um, But Matthias, Matthias changed, obviously, but I don't know if he felt that way. I still don't know if it was, did he really change or is it, was it only towards Nina? Mm. Yeah. And we'll never, spoiler, right. we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't know if it's like you have people who are racist and you're like, I'm not racist. I have a xyz friend Mm -hmm. um and you're like okay but just because you have a friend doesn't mean that 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 isn't still lying dormant or you still don't have those thoughts with you so i i don't know about ellerin mateus like to an extent but i do think ellerin is more has educated herself more because of the exposure with everybody which is again like it's another school that integrated like you think of like segregation in the 1960s it needed to happen you know there's like you you were forced and you see it in so many movies because and it's not like it's this fantasy it's real this stuff happened and is happening and it's just a very uncomfortable conversation to have in a very um like in a fantasy book that's very relatable to now My last thing that I want to point out is that there is a kind of conversation that Ellerin has with her professor where they're talking about the Gardnerians and like, like what happened, like how the Gardnerians came into power. Cause like they were the ones that were being oppressed for a long time by the Celts and then they, they, they rose up and the leader was Ellerin's like great, 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 whatever grandfather. Grandfather. And who, you know, to the Gardnerians is revered, but to everyone else is seen as like a, ma- I think the quote is a madman and a ze- like a religious zealot. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what her pro- professor Christian said. Yeah. Which I mean, so, so great. And then he goes on to say that 
the the reason why the Gardnerians are able to use wand magic is because they aren't a pure race like um Ellerin's grandfather oh. like made everyone believe because right like his, his her grandfather great you know remove whatever you find out that they're mixed yeah they're mixed and that he took this other culture's like holy book and then took some passages and, and made it his own and then like applied these these um you know religious texts to his own kind of warped beliefs and the gardnerians are mixed with with dryads with tree fae which is why they can use the magic which is why they have you know green shimmering skin because dryads are green they have green skin um and yeah it's just it's just really interesting that this whole culture is uh you know built up on this idea of being a pure clean religious you know race we don't you know, partake in spirits. Our women are, you know, covered. We're conservative, but the, they're half. They're they are what they're preaching that they're against. And um, it, I don't know. It's just it's very pot kettle. It is, and it's a it's a lot to wrap your head around. It's a lot in a in a fantasy book, and knowing the rule of fantasy books, which is like the first one is the the establishing book, and like the other ones are like the story. Uh, where do you think this is going to go? Oh, flash forward. To, well, see, I can't even say flash forward to the end. We know that there's going to be a resistance. We know the students are probably going to work with the teachers more because that's how it, the professors, they they set it up at the end where you know that they're going to be questioning, like this is only level five mage magic and this is military magic. And there's a book missing where you find, you know, because Aisley stole the military grimoire from her uh, her father, her father in my head reminds me of um, who's like the leader in The Handmaid's Tale, you know, like the lead guy, his character who's yes. married to Serena. Yeah, he, that's what I, I have in my Joseph head. Like the, yeah, the commander, I think <laughs> like, like commander. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, uh, us, uh, off Fred. Off Fred. So he, Fred. Off Fred. 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 <laughs> <laughs> We got there. We got there. Okay. <laughs> um, that's who her father reminds me of as this commander having this grimoire. And uh, part of me is like, they're all keeping their distance from each other, which also to me, that would be the red flag to be like, they were all really close. And now they're all super distant. Like you should have just kept carrying on the way you were carrying on. That would have been my red flag. It's like, oh, you're idiots. But you know, they're 17, whatever. <laughs> but uh, there's going to be an uprising. I want uh, that pennant is bad news. I think she's. It, I think she's either going to get like addicted to whatever the connection is because it's also wood, and we know how her affinity is. Like she can touch wood, and <laughs> she could touch like a tree and know what type of like tree it is, or like she has that kind. Of There's a couple lines in this book where they emphasize the fact that Ellerin feels the trees kind of like pulling away from her. Oh, yeah. So that she feels that like the she's in the forest and she feels the trees like push away from her or like they don't want anything to do with her and they're giving off like bad vibes and stuff and she um has a has a flashback kind of of a forest on fire which we know is her flashback from when she was wand tested when she was a child when she burned the she burned the forest down uh mm -hmm. with with her her um fire spell i i didn't make that connection i think i thought she because she knew the tree like she knew she would touch something, the material, mm -hmm. and she just knew right away. So I, I would have thought it was something different. I, this is kind of like, the, I feel like one of the first things fantasy reads where I'm not really speculating so much. I'm kind of going with it. I want to see the resistance. I want to see, I, I want to see Lucas get played. Like I, I want him to get played. I want fat, like I'm not... Fallon, I don't think like I know she's not the Black Witch. I know she's not the prophecy. I find it interesting that nobody's making the connection that they were saying those the the wyverns or whatever that attacked Fallon. Um, they're like, oh, they're you're gonna be fine. They're only after the Black Witch, and everybody just assumes it's it's Fallon because she's level five mage. And every time there's been an attack, Ellerin's been there, and nobody's made that connection yet that. 
Yeah, because Ellerin's the Black Witch. Like that's that's my assumption right now. I'm interested to see how that unfolds. Like how we, because I remember telling you in this book, I go, "Is she gonna get her magic? Are we? When are we gonna find out?" And then we don't find out. <laughs> I don't have that. But it's it's a series, and it's it's not a one off book. So that's part of the whole journey. I also really really want to see Aisley. And Jared together, and I want a Wraith and Diana. I, it's YA, so I know we're not going to get anything with, regarding them mating. But I really want them to be just like declared before they're like their families. And I loved that also about Diana, where she goes, "You don't have to be." She tells Ellerin, "She goes, you don't have to be Lupine. You're still my sister." Like there was just like this complete open embrace that I absolutely loved because Ellerin doesn't have that from her family. She has her brothers and we know, I don't think her uncle is sick. I think Vivian made him sick. I believe that also I want her uncle to some, if he dies, I'm going to be so heartbroken for her, but she probably will because it's a YA fantasy and I'm not looking at you because I just don't want to gauge your reactions right now. Oh no! Well, let's not forget her brothers got drafted. Right. Her brothers got drafted. And like now I feel like they want it. Like he goes, I, I, they're like, what are you going to do next? It's like, I'm going to be lupine. Like I like it tries kind of like move the timeline up a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm really I'm really interested to see how it unfolds. And like the carrot, like it's not just about Ellerin. I really like the side, not even the side characters, the other characters in this book. Well, I think now is a good way or a good time, I guess, to kind of touch. The not so fun stuff. Yeah, the not so fun stuff to kind of touch on, because obviously it's, it's clear, like, we like this book. We're going to keep reading this book, but um, there there's issues about this book and we have researched them to an extent and we have discussed them and we need to address them here. And just like we did for for Blood and Ash, we will start off by saying that we are not experts. We are not the ones to speak on this. Please do your own research. Please do your own research. Please do your own research. However, there's some shit that we need to discuss. I wasn't even, I mean, obviously I wasn't aware because YA wasn't, YA was was not even on my radar surrounding this book. Um, but there were writers and reviewers who it's like they never read the first book. It's like they got an excerpt of the first three chapters. And in my opinion, they created an entire cancel culture for this book. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, and that, that I mean, that can just, you know, open doors to a bunch of other discussions about Goodreads and mm-hmm. what that can do to an author and um, what happens when only excerpts are posted and you form an opinion based on excerpts. And then, but okay, so so what happened was that like the excerpts were posted and people got really upset because obviously um, out of context, this book can be very racist. We've said it. It makes us uncomfortable. It's so like on the nose racist. Um, and people were upset about that. And it's not subtle. It's no. not subtle either. No, it's loud and it's, you know, right there in your face. And, um, people not having read the book were very upset about it before it came out. And then after it came out, all of that just kind of settled. And then now it's, you know, a five book plus series. And I think that's important to note because here we are talking about like the importance of educating yourself, right? And sometimes even like book talk community, book community in general, bookstagram, it's so easy to fly off the handle without having the whole story. Like the, the one the one article that I was reading that you had shared with me, Laura, it was a reviewer on Goodreads, one star. They said one star. I wish I could give it zero stars. Went on a spiral to the point where they were stalking the author, finding like paid to get the author. You know, when you could like do a paid background check, was doing paid background checks on the author, on the author's family, screenshots of like where her parents were living. This person was set off in one chapter and i'm like look i'm the first person who had who will admit like admit to like not finishing a book you know but i'm not going to go 
spiral. Like, obviously, to me, there were bigger issues there. That person even said, I only read one chapter. And you're stalking this author's life? Like, that's... But but even some of the reviews and some of the writers, because there's such a voice there, like that one person can have such a voice. There is blind there is blind loyalty to a fault from other people attacking the author, attacking the the publishing house. How can you do this? What are how are you going to uh, make amends? Which I'm all about holding people accountable. But do we have the full story first or are we just blindly retweeting without understanding what, how we're educating ourselves first? And I think that's the biggest conversation that needs to be had. Things need to be said. People can have opinions, but are we having blind opinions? Yeah, no doubt. And are we having blind opinions and are we surrounding ourselves with people that also have the same opinions? So it's like, uh, you know, bouncing back and forth and just kind of getting yourself like frothing at the mouth about something and not getting any sort of um, discussion going. I mean, the perfect example of that is just in politics in general, when you're only getting your news source from one specific place. And you don't have a counter argument and it doesn't even need to be, you know, I, I remember like one, a, one of the great things that I learned in school um, is you can have multiple resources, but make sure that one of those resources is also outside of, outside of our U.S. perspective. And because we are, we are in it, right? And whereas other countries can be more object, you know, more objective in regards to, their opinions or their facts or where they're like, not even formulating their own opinions. Here's the information that this is what they're feeding out, you know? And I think that's important in regards to any time you're trying to educate yourself and have those conversations, like you said, to have a different perspective. As we mentioned, uh, there are some articles that we uh, read between us. I think there's three or four. I think there's four. Yeah. We won't, you know, discuss them in detail here because, you know, Sam has to edit and we don't want him to have to go through all that. We will post the articles that we are referring to uh, in the episode description so that you can take some time and, and read about these things and educate yourself and do your own research because, you know, it's 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 one thing to be told uh, how things are. And it's another thing to form your own opinions and forming your own opinion on something is pretty fantastic. So please, please, please do your own research. We're not experts. We're simply pointing out the glaring issue. I think that wraps it up. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We know that it was completely not on the realm of book talk. You don't really see this book talked about right now. So we just kind of branched out a little bit and it made for a great conversation and interesting dialogue. We're going to be following up with the second book, The Iron Flower. Do, we'll see where that takes us and um, go from there. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E. We're also both on TikTok, Acafe Laura, A-C-O-F-A-E Laura, L-A-U-R-A, and Acafe Jessica. Um, we look forward to Yeah, but like, I guess, do people spell it differently than like the most basic way? Feel free to interact. We're, we're, we're just, we're here for fun, you know? Keep it respectful. We love you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.